Now playing movie reviews in 20 cues. It's time to ask 20 cues, because that's how we do movie reviews. It's time to have fun on the movie reviews in 20 cues podcast with the contrarians tonight. <laughs> Couldn't have done it better. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, waka waka good people, and welcome to the podcast, Movie Reviews in 20 Cues, the show where we review a movie by asking 20 weird and wonderful questions about it. The guests keep on coming, and this week is two amazing guests. I'm so happy to get you both on. So happy to have you here. It's Alex and Julio from The Contrarians. How are you, boys? Hello. Greetings from the United States. We come to you as embarrassed Americans. (laughs) (laughs) You guys have nothing to be embarrassed about at the moment. You guys are all good, aren't you? Oh, God. Come on. Uh, so, yeah, you guys picked the Muppets. I've got to say, quite surprised, quite surprised. Well, did you both decide on it? Like, who came up with it? Whatever. Julio ran it by me, and I was just like, yeah, absolutely. Because uh, we, for listeners of the podcast, we worked at a movie theater together, and we both, I think we screened this together, and our love for it is both, uh, it's it's palpable. Yeah, it was one of those things where uh, you send me an email saying, pick a movie that you both like, and that instantly, it was like either this or The Master. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> this, this is a little more lighthearted, so. So. Yeah, I think that we can get a little bit more length out of uh, this movie than The Master. But I've got to say, like, when you messaged back and said The Muppets, I was like, I've completely forgotten about this movie. But I'll, I'll give it to you guys as well. Like, This is the first time where a guest has sent back one movie and gone, I want to do this. And I've gone, yep, cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, like you said uh, uh, when you replied, that there is the New Zealand connection. So that alone oh, makes yeah. it great. Yeah, yeah, totally. Before we get into it, we're looking at The Muppets. If you're not planning on going out and seeing it or, well, you know, watching the DVD, slash streaming it, whatever you're into these days. Uh, the plot of the film is as follows. Walter, the world's biggest Muppet fan, is on vacation in Los Angeles with his brother, Gary, played by Jason Segel, and Gary's girlfriend, Mary, played by Amy Adams. They discover that greedy Tex rich man, Jesus Christ, Chris Cooper, <laughs> plans to raise Muppet Studios and drill for oil on the spot. Desperate to save the Muppets' former stomping grounds, the three friends join forces with Kermit to reunite Miss Piggy, Fozzie, and the rest of the gang to hold a telephone to raise the $10 million they need to save the studio. Yeah, pretty much sums it up. They don't mention that Walter is a Muppet. <laughs> That's true. He's the world's biggest Muppet fan, but they never mention that he's a Muppet as well. That's <laughs> a huge plot point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good point. Hey, so looking at the reviews for the film, 7.1 out of 10 on IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes 95%, and 75% on Metacritic. But you guys, what would you guys give this as a score out of 10,000 maps? 10,000 travel by maps, I should say. Oh, okay. Uh, Then, you know, with a a fun movie like this, you're going to lose a few in the fray, so I'll say 9,998. Whoa! Alex, I'll... I'll, uh... I'll see your 9,998, and I raise you by one. 9,999 travels by map. Holy Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, let me cl- quickly delete my score and rewrite it. Uh, <laughs> no, look, I'm, I'm there with you guys. I got a lot of a kick out of this. I'm going to give it 9,127. Fair enough. It's acceptable. You're tired. You just had a kid. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, so yeah, what we do on this podcast, if you haven't listened to us before, is we review a movie by asking 20 weird and wonderful questions about it. We start with 10 that we all answer. We then move into three personal questions that we've come up with and then finish on either a Patreon question or one of the questions that we've thrown out there to our listeners. And because of my childbirth, I haven't had a chance to run a listener question, so we will be finishing on one from these guys. 
But the one that we always start with is a compliment sandwich, which is one thing good, one thing bad, and one thing good. So why don't you guys lead us away? All right, so compliment sandwich. I'll start. Uh, my first good thing is uh, Life's a Happy Song and just the music in general. <laughs> I think that it's just, uh, I like musicals to begin with. But when the new Muppet movie came out and it was not just a musical uh, where they were, because, you know, through the through the movie, they sing covers of songs or they play just songs that we know. But the fact that mm. they actually went through the trouble of making original songs for the movie and that they're as good as they are, that's a, that's a big home run for me. So that's that's a good one. The bad one, I mean, the one thing, the, the only reason this is not 10,000 Travels by Map uh, on my account is just, I'm not a big fan of that moment at the end when you find out that they weren't anywhere near close to achieving their goal. <laughs> I, True, I, yeah. I get it. It's funny as a joke, but it kind of took away a little bit of the, the just that magic of the audience really coming for them and, and really almost making them reach, you know, what is it, $10 million, $2 million, yeah. whatever the, the amount was. So that was a little deflating. Uh, it's not a big deal, but still, you know, if I have to pick something that I don't like. And then the other good thing for me was the Muppet Renaissance. Basically, the Muppets were kind of in the doldrums, and then this movie came along and they made it made them relevant again. Uh, yeah. Suddenly, it was it was just cool. It wasn't just this thing that used to be good in the past. It's it's the equivalent. Well, I don't know how you feel about the Force Awakens, uh, Sam. But <laughs> this is like the Force Awakens for the Muppet. Whenever you thought of a Muppets movie before then, it was just ah, uh, well, you know, something. Yeah, that's... no one talked about Star Wars for twenty years or anything. <laughs> well, not in a good way, not in a Mind weird reader. way. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it was like you think of uh, I don't know what was that the movie where the Muppets movie where they reveal Gonzo's origin or whatever. It's like who cares? Nobody, nobody really was <laughs> behind the Muppets anymore. Uh, it was. Basically, either direct to TV or direct to video, that kind of stuff. And then suddenly, this mo- this movie comes out, and they're huge again. And you know, there's a sequel and a TV show, and we'll talk about that later. But uh, yeah, 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 to me, that that's the other part of the the other piece of bread on the compliment sandwich. Constructing my compliment sandwich here, stealing a uh, Julio, stealing the end piece from him. The soundtrack was my first good thing, just top to bottom loaded. Uh, I, I like the reprise of "Life's a Happy Song" at the end almost as much as the original. Great stuff. One bad, the fart shoes. So the joke itself in the movie is not that funny, but it's nowhere near as bad as the backlash that came from Muppets Purists that said, like, <laughs> it was this horrible thing that they did to shoehorn in that joke. So yeah. the whole thing of the fart shoes, bad. Right. If, you, if you'd if you been making the movie and you had been able to see the backlash, then it's, it's not worth it. It's not that funny. No, definitely I, not. Rewatching it this time, I was... I had the four shoes in my head as something that I was going to pinpoint as the, the thing I don't like. And uh, and then it happened. I was like, you know, it wasn't as bad as I remember. To me, it was actually funny because when <laughs> they're like walking away sulking and his shoes are just going off, I'm like, all right, that's funny. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm with you was there, like, yeah. not now, Fuzzy. <laughs> yeah, the, just the backlash wasn't quite worth it. And then uh, closing my sandwich with the third piece of bread. I have been watching movies as long as I can remember my life, and I could count maybe on one hand, maybe just four fingers, the amount of actors I've seen that were happier to be in a movie than Jason Siegel was in this. Uh, yes. So what I have as my note is Jason Siegel's infectious joy is the, the, the second good thing I have about this. It's, it's yeah. him and Chris Cooper up there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I agree with you there. I'm with you, boys. It was my last one, but I'll use it first. Was the music. Like, of course, I'm going to say it because the New Zealander oversaw it. And, you know, Brett McKenzie went on to win an Oscar for Best Original Song for Man or a Muppet. But, I mean, it's it's great. Like, opposite to you, Julio, I'm not a musical fan whatsoever. And for this to, you know, burst into song is for me to sit there and go, okay, this is good. Is like, is, is something. Like, it's a high bar to cross, basically. 
for a bad thing. I don't want to get into too much, but I felt like some of the cameos were just a little bit underutilized. <laughs> They're just a little, like we've got a question later that sort of darts around it, but there was one or two that I was like, oh. and anyone that knows me knows I'm not much of a Jack Black fan. So Ooh. yeah. Oh yeah. I don't want to get into shitting on someone too much, but I just, I find his style of humor can be a bit grating sometimes. And I don't know, he still, he gave a pretty decent performance and was sort of true to an exaggerated version of himself, which is what you expect from a cameo. But yeah, still. And then final good thing. I mean, like I've mentioned that Brett McKenzie, who starred in Fly the Concords, was in this. It was directed by James Bowman, who directed a couple of the Fly the Concords episodes. And we saw Christian Schaal, who plays uh, Mal out of Fly the Concords. But the thing oh, that Fly the right. Concords, yeah, the thing that it nails was like this surreal, oddball sort of humor. And James Bowman is just perfect to try and nail that because the Muppets used to do that perfectly. And this movie does it perfectly. It's got this real surreal humor that sort of lands in a modern times. And you know, when so many other comedies are just going for that sort of edgelord gross-out humour or, you know, just inexplicably unfunny type of humour, like, this one is just perfect and it just, yeah, tickles my funny bone. That's the best way to describe it. Yeah. And that moves us over to question number two. Hit us with it, Julio. Question number two. Which character clearly needs to get laid? I'll start us off with this one, and it's a cameo, but it's still very uh, apparent, and that's Emily Blunt. Uh, she's <laughs> extremely off-putting is a pleasant way of putting it. She's very dismissive and rude and just very curt with the Muppets, but then they disguise themselves as Muppet Man, and she is, you know, she's perspiring at the sight of this tall, <laughs> furry man to the uh, point of it gets kind of uncomfortable, and it's like, man, she probably needs a human touch. I'd never thought of Muppet Man in a sexual context, <laughs> and now it's just, I, you've ruined it for me. <laughs> you've made a better for me. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, Miss Poogie out of the Muppets. <laughs> Oh, Lord. <laughs> I, I'm not volunteering myself as tribute on this one, not like uh, I would for Emily Blunt, but yeah, there's something a bit pent up and aggressive about Miss Poogie. I think like, uh, yeah, she just needs to find that, that man, that special man in her life, maybe even Dave Grohl, who cameos as their vision of Animal. <laughs> maybe him. Maybe him. Definitely not me. But yeah, I'm going with Miss Poogie. Just a matter of time with Dave Grohl. <laughs> That's true, yeah. <laughs> My pick is the most obvious one, Jason Siegel, because it's clear that even though he's been with Amy Adams for almost a decade, they've never had sex. If they had had sex, then you know that he wouldn't be treating her the way he's treating her now, where he just ignores <laughs> her and leaves her behind to go play with his, with his brother and his friends. It's, somehow, somehow he's not aware he, has, what he has. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's no way that Jason Segel is not a virgin in this movie. And it's just it's only a matter of time before Amy Adams completely puts her hooks uh, in him. For good. He needs to grow up. That's the whole point of the movie. That's an incredibly valid point. <laughs> All right. Moving along to question number three. What deep philosophical debate arose in you during this film? Uh, my one for me is how goddamn rubbish are all of these Muppets with their money? Right? Because they're trying to raise $10 million. Okay. Gonzo is running a highly successful plumbing business. Miss Piggy works for Vogue. Scooter works for Google. Kermit has a mansion in Hollywood. Surely they can raise 10 million just amongst those four. The only one that's out on his fucking ass is Fozzie Bear. He's the only one that looks like he's hit dire straits. The rest of them are just like doing well. Yeah, but see, they always tell you, do not invest your own money. So they're just True, being yeah. actually really smart about how they handle things. <laughs> yeah. True. Make sure it doesn't cut into their taxes, things of that nature. <laughs> 
Yeah, it makes sense. Julio? Okay, so I actually had uh, uh, this, maybe not the first time around, because I was, obviously, I was seeing it for the first time, and so it was almost a surprise that it was this good. But then on rewatches, I, I always get this question of how much of it, how much of the reason I love it is just nostalgia. You know, like, if you don't have the connection to the Muppets that I have, and I think that both of you have, because we're roughly the same age you know if i hadn't grown up with the muppets would this movie work as well as as i think it does and i i want to say it, it would anyway because as a piece of entertainment it works even if you don't know the backstories if you're not familiar with all the callbacks it's still a fun you know movie a fun uh, what do you call it uh, putting on a show movie mm-hmm. but but still when i watch it i'm like i get so much joy out of it. I mean, 9,999 uh, <laughs> that I, I do wonder. I was like, when, how does, how does it play for a generation that's just, you know, that didn't know the Muppets, that, that their first exposure to the Muppets was this movie? That's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. Your kid will answer this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, totally. In a few years. <laughs> I do remember going to see this with a girl that had never seen anything of the Muppets before whatsoever. And we, we sort of went there on a date and I was like, how did you grow up in New Zealand and not see the Muppets? We had like two TV channels. One was like old person's TV and one one was young person's TV. And the Muppets played for like 18 hours on it over on the weekend. Like, how did you fucking miss the Muppets? It was like that in Sesame Street. Like, those were the only two shows you could have that you could watch on a Saturday morning. The amount of uh, actual humans that were on TV was very limited, apparently. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, legitimately, for about six years of my life, I thought America was inhabited by Muppets. <laughs> Close enough. Uh, yeah, true, yeah, man. <laughs> for myself, I mean, obviously, the most uh, obvious and relevant, uh, or relevant, I should say, was am I a man or am I a Muppet? That was a, a debate I had. But to kind of piggybacking for um, real talk, as we say on our podcast, off what Julio said, the nostalgia factor and also, like, I found myself rewatching it, um, going back to how this movie affected me emotionally, like how happy it made me and just overcome with joy comparing it to movies from 2011 that also really affected me emotionally, uh, be it uh, Shame or uh, Source Code, Warrior, Midnight in Paris. Movies like that, and I was thinking, man, out of all those, I think the Muppets made the biggest emotional reaction <laughs> or got the biggest emotional reaction out of me. So, just trying to figure out exactly why that was, and I think it goes a lot to what Julio was saying. <laughs> oh, that's some good soul searching, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. And that takes over to question number four, which is the first of our Patreon questions for the princely sum of five bucks a month. You get to have your question in our top ten. This question comes courtesy of the amazing man that is Dave Baker. Dave is one of our most recent Patreons who also has his own Patreon. On it, he posts a cornucopia of creative content, range from pro samples to curated YouTube recommendations, because hashtag beat the algorithm, YouTube video essays to written essays on Medium. Uh, check him out at patreon.com forward slash your favorite. And that's the American spelling. It's down in the show notes. And what Dave would like to know is which two characters from the Muppets or from this film would you guys want to have at your house party? All right. At first, you know, the, your first thought, I think you're thinking of any of the musicians uh, mm. because you're throwing a party and whatever. But the truth is my hardcore partying days are behind me. And now I just <laughs> like it. I like it mellow. I, I, I just I don't need anybody breaking stuff. I don't need anybody setting stuff on fire, getting the cops uh, called. So I went with <laughs> Fozzie and, and Rolf because they, they're wholesome entertainers. Mm-hmm. Rolf will play mm. the piano. Fosse will be making bad jokes, but jokes that still make you laugh. We'll have a good time. Nobody will go to, to jail over it. And, you know, maybe 10 years ago, I would have told you, oh, yeah, Animal and uh, <laughs> Miss Piggy. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. But, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm older now. Yeah, I, 
if I was 21, my answer, I had the two answers. If I was 21, it would be Animal and Gonzo would be the two that I want at my house party. Uh, for present day Alex, though, Rolf, I mean, Rolf is me as if I was a Muppet incarnate that it, he is my spirit animal. Uh, and then secondly is Alan Arkin in this movie, the Muppet Stewart <laughs> uh, studio tour guide. Just not given a care about anything laid back. I know the three of us could just drink a few beers and, you know, watch TV and, Hang oh, out. So, you, so you're talking about old times. You're not having a party. You're just hanging out with the two of them. No, I'll say it's a house party <laughs> yeah. and then just kick everyone else out so we can just eat the food and chill because those days are behind me. Oh, excellent. Uh, good answer to these guys. It's uh, interesting here. Julio might have had a slight fetish for Miss Piggy at some stage in his life, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she will uh, She will keep things lively, definitely. That's absolutely true. I, I was similar to you guys. I like My initial reaction was Gonzo. He was my favorite character growing up. I loved how insane he was, but you know what? him at your bloody house he'd burn the fucking thing down <laughs> fuck that noise but um yeah bizarrely same as you two i had ralph as well i want him you know jamming out on the piano keeping things cool mellow but like as much as i want that i still want a little bit of craziness and to the point that maybe you have to call up uber eats or something afterwards but i want the swedish chef there i want him there <laughs> to see what sort of concoctions he comes up with plus you can just leave him in the kitchen you don't really have to talk to him yeah fine cool yeah that's good man do whatever you want whatever so just a, a touch of crazy but like how much damage can you do in the kitchen oh actually how <laughs> <laughs> there are there, there are hot services in the kitchen. Wait a minute. Now, let me take that back. <laughs> but still, yeah, I'm going with those two. All right. Question number five. If you were a recruitment consultant and this movie came to you looking for a job, what job would this movie be suitable for and why? So I had relationship counselor because between the insurmountable hurdles of the Muppets and their infighting that this movie was able to resolve, <laughs> we also have the side story of Jason Siegel being just emotionally vague to Amy Adams. And, <laughs> uh, but by the end of this, he realizes the error of his ways. Maybe it is just music, you know, cures all ails. But uh, I think this movie would be definitely suited for that position. Uh, my one's a bit topical having just gone through this, but I would recommend it to be a midwife because even when everything is turning to shit all around it, it keeps a calm disposition. It's it's kind of a sequel to yours because I I said babysitter. Oh yeah, yeah. This movie can handle children and man children <laughs> and cranky, <laughs> happy. It, it, they come in all shapes and colors and moods, and and this movie manages to put it all together at the end. So babysitting for me. Nice. Uh, the next question is also a Patreon question. It comes courtesy of the amazing woman that is Emily Higgins. She was on the Silence of the Lambs episode recently and runs her own podcast, which is called The Tasteless Podcast. A podcast in which she takes a movie that everyone loves and then she sort of goes to bat for another movie that uh, most people have forgotten, don't care about, is usually pretty shit. But she seems to argue, will find a way to argue about why the other movie is better. Anywho, what would she like to know over there, guys? What character has probably gone the longest without showering? I mean, the easy answer is the Muppets, but I'm going to go with Bobo the Bear, who's the henchman, who's mm-hmm. just a, a little bit slow, a little bit dumb, you know, sort of trundling along, not really know what's going on. I'm going with Bobo the Bear. Fair enough. Julio? Okay, see, I had the Muppets as an answer, but you just said that that's too easy, so I'm going to have to go with, I think, Alan Arkin. You know, he, he looks like he just stopped caring. Yeah, and you don't know how long it's been since he's had that uh, his uniform pressed. It's It's got to have been a while. He goes to sleep True. in that uniform. You you guys both said obviously i think obviously out of all it's sweetums that motherfucker hasn't yeah. been under a hose in years man 
I'm amazed that none of us have picked Hobo Joe. How the hell do we... Everyone forgets about Hobo Joe. <laughs> because it's just Zach Galifianakis with a torn shirt. He, he looks, you know... Yeah, he doesn't I, look dirty. If I was yeah, gonna la- well, I was going to say if I was going to label him dirty, I would label Zach Galifianakis dirty, not Hobo <laughs> Joe. <laughs> oh, that's good. And that moves us over to question number seven. What's something in this film that you notice that you don't think other people might have immediately noticed? I have two answers. Because one is something that obviously, again, going back to the nostalgia factor... I, I think that it's something that everybody saw, but I don't know that it hit them the, the same way, which is just when they finally get the opening to the Muppets show right. I think that the only way that you realize how awesome that is, is if you've seen the show, the TV show, uh, mm. you know, where they, you have everybody coming out with the song that you uh, very lovingly sang <laughs> at the beginning <laughs> of this episode. <laughs> lovingly and, is one and, way to describe it, yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, they're marching from the left and coming in from the right, and then they, they everybody faces and the, the little squares and everything. That's something that I think that if you haven't seen the show, you're like, oh, that's cool. But it you don't realize how amazing it is to see it on the big screen. And that was the moment that I got chills the first time I mm. watched it. And it wasn't a conscious thing. It was like I got the chills before I even processed why I was getting the chills. <laughs> but as a, a less meta answer is just that... Uh, I don't know if you guys saw it, but Chris Cooper had like a hundred Red Bull cans in, yes. in, in his office towards the yes. end when when he realizes that uh, that it's gotten so bad that Muppets are, are are about to reach their goal, so he decides to go uh, go sabotage them. Yeah, he has uh, crushed red ca- uh, cans of Red Bull all over his desk <laughs> and in his office. Yeah, I did notice that. Yeah. Uh, for myself, the one thing when this came out, I was shocked to find that a lot of people uh, didn't realize Dave Grohl was the Anna Mool, the drummer for yeah. the Muppets, which that's amazing. But my thing, I laughed so hard and I caught it on rewatch for this. I, I had never noticed it, but in the opening in Walter and uh, Jason Siegel's room, there's a portrait of them from prom night where he's got Amy Adams on his arm and then Walter's like on a step stool and he's doing the prom pose with this woman who just looks absolutely terrified <laughs> to be with him. <laughs> it, was, it was, you know, if you blink and you miss it type of thing. But this time around, I thought that was just hilarious. That's good. The big one for me was the Jim Henson posters. There's not just one, but two in this film. There's one on the theater outside and then there's one inside as well when they go into Kermit's office. And I was like, oh, Oh, it's Jim. It's Jim. Oh. <laughs> well, now I have an excuse to see it again. Yeah. <laughs> the other one that was kind of like semi-interesting is John Krasinski is in this with his wife, but also Amy Adams and Rashida Jones are in this, and like they both played his girlfriend in the office. Oh shit. <laughs> I was like, wow. we're just missing a Pam Beasley. But then, like, the reason why I didn't go for that one as the lead off is I- I've noticed that Americans seem to think that liking the office is a personality type. It seems to be something that everybody does. So I was like, maybe they have noticed it. Maybe it is pretty common. But yeah. <laughs> I-, I was watching The Office before we started doing this. But yeah, I didn't even put two and two together on that. <laughs> the last three or four times I've come to Alex's house to record, The Office was playing. That- yeah. That's how much into The Office he is. And- it's like a millennial's version of Frampton Comes Alive. It's just always on in households. <laughs> Yeah, good on you, man. I, I love it as well. Yeah. All right, Julio, you're gonna take us through question number eight. Possibly my favorite of your uh, of your regular questions, Sam. <laughs> what quote from this film would be the worst to hear right after sex? So you wrap up the session. You kind of both go to your separate sides of the bed. You hear some fumbling around going on the other side of the bed, and you turn and say, "What are you doing over there?" Oh, I'm having a me party. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's good. That, yeah, oh, that's that, good. that would just be ego crushing. I, I, there couldn't get much worse for me than that. 
Yeah, I'm similar to you. I'm imagining lying there. You're in a state of bliss. You sort of look over and she's sort of like half crying, like maybe whimpering. And you're like, are you okay? And she just looks at you and goes, I can't believe I fell for Muppet Man. <laughs> uh, to me, to me, uh, probably the worst would be you're just, again, lying down. Actually, no, you don't even get to the lying down. You just, you just finished and you're just exhaling in bliss. And then she goes, oh, waka waka. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that one, too. That's good. That's good, guys. All right. Moving on to the meat and potatoes of what, what, what we're talking about here. Uh, number nine, how would you incorporate Nicolas Cage into this film? Makes a triumphant return. You guys are lucky. That is the Stacey Hurley question that we managed to put into the podcast every time Stacey does one and make her read it out because she fucking hates Nicolas Cage with a passion. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we've got Hobo Joe. I wanted uh, Hobo Joe to have a mate, Hobo Blow. It's just him hanging out with that, that Galifianakis. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's I don't see him as the kind of hobo that would put up with uh, with Zach Galifianakis. I don't think sure. that the two of them would be sitting there for the entirety of the show. I think <laughs> it could be like spy versus spy; they're enemies on, a, yeah. on opposite sides <laughs> I mean, of the auditorium. It's a big, it's a big theater. They could be on opposite yeah. sides. You're right. Yeah. yeah. For me, I, I mean, and you probably appreciate this, Sam. I I would have Jack Black replaced by Nicolas Cage. Nicolas yes. Cage is the one that gets kidnapped, and then he's just uh, forced to be part of the show uh, for the for the third act. <laughs> yeah, had, and he like even the line like, "Where am I? Why am I so fancy? This is not good for my image." It would still work. It would still <laughs> no, absolutely that, work. That would yeah, that would be impeccable delivery from old Cage. For me, I I think it would be better if we just teased the Cage and just had like a brief cameo. And in the vein of Dave Grohl. And as Anna Mool, I would have um, Nicholas Cage's Kermit, the Kermit of the Muppets. <laughs> Kermit. <laughs> he doesn't brilliant. even have a line or anything. It's just Nicholas Cage painted green. Yeah, playing a banjo, and then to the point where it's like the rest of the movie, you're like, was that Nicholas Cage? <laughs> <laughs> Playing Cage Moot? Yeah, it was. It was a Moot Cage playing Kermoot. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. And final question from the ones that we all answer is, well, it makes a triumph for return. This one came courtesy of the amazing man that is Phil Joynson. What item from this film would you want or definitely not want to be? Okay, so the coolest thing in this movie, because uh, originally, Alex, I was going to say, I don't want to be the farting shoes. <laughs> there you go. I don't want to be the one bad thing in this movie. But no, really, that hook that that speeds up the plot whenever necessary i think that hook is amazing you know when they go on the on the road trip to pick up everybody from the muppets yeah. and then uh 80s robots suggest hey let's do a montage and then it's just a hook that comes in from the side of the screen and then pulls the people that they're trying to get and then it shows up again <laughs> later at the end because i think it gets uh chris cooper maybe mm -hmm. yeah right the hook makes a return so somebody is controlling that hook or that hook has a mind of its own and it's just like a self-aware filmmaking tool. Either way, it's really cool. Nice. Uh, I would not want to be the Swedish chef when he opened the refrigerator at the uh, old Muppets <laughs> Theater because that looked disgusting. It probably had, well, it was proven it hadn't been open in like 20 years. <laughs> it was so bad that he basically had to torch the entire thing to get the stench out. <laughs> I didn't say, uh, say hello to my little friend, but in uh, the Swedish <laughs> chef voice, yeah. The Swedish voice. Such a good answer. Uh, for me, I, you know, we talked about traveling by car. I don't want to, I mean, traveling by map. I don't want to be that car. Fuck being that car. Fuck having like <laughs> 10 Muppets hanging out with, inside of you. Like, it's going to get hot sweaty in there, sure, all that sort of stuff. But the other thing, too, is like when we see it get to France, it comes up out of the Mediterranean, cans or whatever. I've swum in the Mediterranean. That is one fucking disgusting ocean or sea or whatever. <laughs> I do not want to be filled with seawater from the Mediterranean. No way. 
<laughs> yeah, and that's the end of our uh, ones we all answer. Now we're going to throw it over to you guys to start us, or throw it over to Alex to start us off with the three personal questions. Uh, so my question, Sam, for you and for Julio, how on God's green earth <laughs> did Jason Siegel land Amy Adams? <laughs> well, to me, it's it's kind of obvious once you once you think about it because she's a teacher and and he's a he's a man child. He's he's suffering from arrested development, so. Obviously, she she's just she wants to fix him. Her entire mission is to bring him out into adulthood. Mm-hmm. The real question <laughs> is, how long are they going to last now that he is now that he's an adult? Will she lose interest and then find another project? Ooh, that's a that's a good answer, there, mate. That's there's good. a reason. There's a reason why you don't see them in the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> For me, like he's just a real like nice, genuine, sweet guy. But he also happens to live in small town America. I reckon that she's got no other options and she's got Stockholm Syndrome. She's been with him so long that she's like, oh, I guess this is it now. This is my life. <laughs> yeah, this is it. This is my life. This is my existence. It's either him or uh, what's the name of the, the the really old actor that shows up at the end of uh, Life's a Happy Song? Is it Mickey, Mickey Rooney? Rooney? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mickey Rooney, yeah. Those are the two bachelors in small town USA. <laughs> All right, second of Alex's questions. This is a throwaway shot we get when they're doing the montage. And I'm just curious what you made of this, if it was a job interview or, in fact, is Sweetums selling used cars before the Muppets wrangle him up? Isn't he just like a carjack? Isn't that just his use? Yeah, maybe he's like a briefcase with papers coming out of it and shit. (laughs) True. But yeah, I think he is, but I think he's so desperate to get out of there because I think most people realize, why the fuck would you buy a car from someone who can't actually fit in one and test drive it? (laughs) He's probably the worst person to be selling cars. And plus he's going to molt all over the car seats and stuff. You're not going to buy a car from that dude. Of course he wants to get the hell out of there. See, I thought that he was just the guy that spins the sign. He's like on the side of the road (laughs) spinning the sign. Is he stall? He's he clearly gets your attention if you're driving. Yeah. You see like a giant monster. Uh, well, I was thinking about buying a car over here, but I'm going to go over where that giant monster is. They're probably cheaper. <laughs> Not going to lie, he still gives me nightmares. He used to give me oh, nightmares man. as a kid, and he still does. Yeah, when they have a the uh, Muppet Vision 3D at Disney in uh, Orlando, they ha- still have a person in a life size Sweetums costume come out and like roam the crowd. And yeah, every time I kind of clench my fists and get my back to the wall to make sure I'm going to be all right. <laughs> And lastly, of my questions, we do mention the montage. Out of all of the Muppets they take from their new jobs, uh, if you were Scooter, would you be incredibly bitter that the Muppets pulled you away from your presumably lucrative position at Google, seeing as how in the end they made really no money for themselves? Well, see, I don't know about that. I don't know how how much of it, because we don't even know if he was just an unpaid intern at Google there. But he says, I'm going to the tech conference. I think he's in a position of power. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's possible. I'll say this. And this, this is really what came to me was that, to me, if there is one Muppet that's going to snap and go on a killing spree, it would be, <laughs> it would be Scooter. Uh, they, they're constantly pushing him to the edge. Even here in this movie, they, they throw him in the spotlight. He's not ready. He's like, no, I'm from behind the scenes. And then Kermit just makes him go and, and, and basically kill time in front of the audience. That's, that poor kid, he's not gonna, he's not gonna make it uh, to his elder years because he's just gonna snap <laughs> at some point. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. Like, I, I'd be incredibly gutted if I was him. Like, no one wants to be a lackey for their best friends. You'd want to be a lackey for a like extremely <laughs> well-to-do company. <laughs> you know what your best friends telling you to go pretty much fuck yourself on the daily? Like, I'd rather have corporate America tell me to go fuck myself on the daily. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and that takes us over to my set of three questions. Now, in this movie, Piggy mentions that she would like to care for Kermit's tadpoles. Okay. 
So what would Kumi... Kumi. Jesus Christ, I'm talking like Miss Piggy. Kumi. What would Kermit and Miss Piggy's offspring actually look like? We're in the realm of sci-fi, even though we've already... We're starting off in a movie that that has, I don't know, live Muppets. But even so, I'm thinking they look mostly like their mom. They're they're piggies, but they're green, (laughs) and they can jump really high. (laughs) So Miss Piggy with superpowers, basically. Awesome. Impeccable banjo players. Uh, <laughs> no, you you're not born with banjo talent, Alex. You you learned that eventually. They'll inherit it. For mine, you know, the obvious answer would be just look at the Muppet Babies. We have that right in front of us. But true, uh, you know, like if we're dealing with really scientifically breaking this down, uh, Lowly the Worm from the Richard Scary book. I think that is what a Kermit and Piggy baby would look like. <laughs> Oh, shit. We're, we're really just going to, like, Jeff Goldblum in, at the end of The Fly. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, Lowly the Worm's cute, but, like, it's pigment and it's shape. I think that's what a Kermit and Piggy Baby would look like. This is why you don't play God. <laughs> exactly. Uh, my next question, which one of the Muppets would win Survivor? Uh, animal. I mean, uncaged animal. <laughs> as long as he's not, you know, like in this movie, under his anger management plans, I see no one that can stop him. Not even Sweetums and his immense girth could take down animal in a rage i don't know it depends on what kind of survivor you're thinking of because it's not survivor is not about killing everybody else it's from what i gather because my wife watches survivor from time to time and i'll i'll, I'll kind of pick up on how the game is played and sometimes the person that ends up winning because there's basically they take a vote at the end of every episode so you need somebody that's charismatic enough to to make you vote for them and well, also animal can play the political game he can I be allies think- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know that's true because he knew when the right time was to pick up the the drumsticks and finally get back in the game and this movie uh, yeah. but i went with i went with kermit I think Kermit is likable. Unless you're Miss Piggy and have some resentment over the way that he's treated your relationship, everybody else loves him. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is willing to give their lives for him. And he is a good leader. This movie kind of, he gives up a lot in this movie. <laughs> but but that's okay. That's that's this story. But overall, Kermit, I think he, he has it in the bag if he just, the only thing that counts against him is he's not ruthless. Mm-hmm. But maybe that's why people would underestimate him. Interesting. So, yeah, I think that if if uh if Kermit gets his head in the game, he he can walk away with the entire survivor pot, which I don't know how much that is, but bragging rights maybe. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, good combination. I can see Animal winning the physical challenges and I can definitely see Kermit playing the political game. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> good answer, guys. And then my final question. The beauty of these questions is that when we ask ask them, we don't have to answer them ourselves. So I'm going to throw it over to you guys. Is your podcasting partner a man or are they a muppet? Alex is clearly a man. He, uh, he watches wrestling and he drinks beer. That's, I think, the two qualifiers to, to be, at the very least, an American man. Mm-hmm. Uh, True. You don't see any Muppets uh, imbibing alcohol, so that alone disqualifies you as a Muppet. And I was your best man. So. Oh, well, there you go. You were not my best Muppet. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, I mean, Julio, a lot of times he will come about with Muppet-like joy of certain topics, but at the end of the day, he's a man. You know, the bitterness we carry with our podcast and just everyday life, there's no way a Muppet could walk around with that. If I were to be a Muppet, it would be uh, one of the old guys. Uh, was it uh, Waldorf? Stetler and Waldorf, yeah. 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 But then again, if if that's the kind of Muppet I am, then so are you. So No, we are Statler and Waldorf. That's what we do. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, but it might be Muppets of a mean. That's great. Good on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I guess it's my turn. It is. Okay. So my first question, question 17. Which two Muppets are secretly hooking up? 
Sam, you want to take this to start off? Yeah, well, because there's a very obvious answer for this for me, and I reckon it's Bobo and U- Uncle Deadly. I reckon those two are legit lovers, <laughs> and Bobo is probably heartbroken that his his lover tried to kill his boss. Yeah, Bobo and Uncle Deadly. Uh, similar to that, but you know, on the other side of the spectrum, kind of a a beginner's type vibe. I think Statler and Waldorf. You know, they've spent a lot of time together, and <laughs> I think there's a, a true romance under the surface there. They probably just kind of naturally fell into it. Yeah. Nobody else hangs out with them. It's just yeah. the two of them up in that balcony. They just realized one day that it's just right. Yeah. Exactly. No one else in the world will take them. It just makes too much sense. Yeah. There is a, there's a couple of random Muppets. I don't know their names, but uh, when the lights go out toward the end and then the lights come back on. And there's... Isn't that Link Har- uh, Hogthrob, the really attractive pig Muppet? No, 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 no. It's, it's like two different ones. They're like making out. Oh, well, it was a, it was a reunion. It was an exciting time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number 18, and this one is almost close to being a philosophical question. What's the deal with Walter? How on earth did he end up being adopted and treated as, as, a, as a man, not as a Muppet? The only logical response to this is that it had to be not unlike the Jodie Foster movie Nell. Uh, either Nell or The Truman Show, where his world was set up around him to make it just seem like this is all normal and par, par for the course. Because he just, uh, the opening montage is him not understanding why he's not growing, and no one <laughs> takes the time to explain to him what's going on. There's a deleted scene where uh, a guy parachutes outside of the, the house of Jason Siegel, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, Walter, Walter, it's all a TV show. <laughs> yeah. Small town isn't real, Walter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of with you. I reckon he's been abducted. You know, we're talking about Stockholm Syndrome. I reckon that's what he's got as well. He's been abducted by, you know, his parents. Given this guy named Gary as a brother, it's incredibly creepy to be still sharing a room with him at an older age. But yeah, yeah abducted. He grows up to be Paul Dano in Prisoners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and finally, question 19. Which celebrities have the best and worst cameos? Here's where you get to unleash yeah. Jack Black. Yeah. I mean, we'll start with the best. We've mentioned him before. Alan Arkin, I loved his cameo. I also love Ken Jeong's character in the Punch the Teacher show. I was like, what the fuck is this? Probably... I just thought I could make a difference. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That one, and then the worst for me, I mean, yeah, Jack Black. I just, uh, there's something about him. I can, on one hand, name the number of films I like that Jack Black is in, and quite often he's only playing a supporting character, and... The only one good one I like where he's a lead is maybe School of Rock. There's nothing else that really sort of springs to mind. But the other worst ones for me was, yeah, John Krasinski not getting much or any lines at all. He's just sort of there. You know, we've talked about The Office. He was a peak office height, you know, at that time. He doesn't even get to do a a, a gym look towards yeah. the camera. Yeah, it's totally underutilized. And then uh, the sort of the Whoopi Goldberg, Selena Gomez in the Modern Family Kid, I think he is. Uh, I don't, yeah. The Whoopi Goldberg was fine, but Selena Gomez and the Modern Family Kid were just like, why are we here? And like that was their lines in the movie and it, it almost was for the audience as well. I was like, why are you guys here? This is kind of odd, but yeah. Yeah, uh, we mentioned Alan Arkin, great. Uh, and I jested about Emily Blunt, but even her little cameo, she's just fantastic with her delivery. And the first time I saw it specifically, I remember just belting out with laughter. The, the Hobo Joe, just that golf. Yes. Why does everyone yes. forget about Hobo Joe? <laughs> so stupid, but God, I laughed so hard. And then I'm glad you brought it up, Sam, because I have here for my worst yet. Uh, the little boy's name is Rico Rodriguez and uh, Selena Gomez. And like you said, they try to make a joke about how it's just shoehorned in. But then, it, yeah, it just it fell kind of flat for me. It's just pandering to the, yeah. to the younger Hispanic audience. Yeah. It would be two years before Selena Gomez was in anything that I really enjoyed. So Spring Breakers? Yes. <laughs> Fair enough. The other one that was sort of a bit on the nose as well is when they had Neil Patrick Harris say, why aren't I hosting this? And I was like, that's a good point. 
Why aren't you hosting this? <laughs> <laughs> and that takes us down to the final question, which comes courtesy of these guys. We'll get into what your show is about soon, but the question that we have from you guys is, what is your most controversial opinion about this film? To me, and granted, I haven't rewatched all the older Muppets movies. I saw a couple of them in theaters, I think, and then most of them on TV uh, as I was growing up. But I can't imagine any of them being as good and meaningful to my life as this movie is. So I would yeah. say Muppets 2011 is the best Muppets movie. Furthermore, Ooh. the sequel, while not being as good, it's a perfectly fine movie okay. above average. Yeah. And the TV show, which was much maligned, and I think only lasted a season, it was fine. The season, the, the TV show is nowhere near as good as the, as the movies, but it's still, it was fine. I think that it had room to grow. I think that the audience overreacted and they were just going like, oh, well, this, the, the show is too, uh, it's too, uh, snarky for the Muppets. Yeah. And it's like, just give it time. You know, you, it, it, it's an iteration of the Muppets. So that last thing is probably the most controversial thing <laughs> because <laughs> I've yet to find a single person that liked the show at least as much as I did. Yeah. It did not catch on. The movie did, like, did well critically and financially. And, but like we said, it brought him back temporarily into the spotlight, but I think it didn't latch on as much as they were hoping it would. Mm. Yeah. I think that maybe a, a problem was that the show, was not really it wasn't the Muppets show it was more like the behind the scenes of the Muppets show yeah and I personally would have liked to see just the Muppets show again where it's mm. just a variety show with the host and all that stuff but maybe they just felt that that was that just doesn't work in today's uh, I guess climate just have <laughs> Buddy Rich in the back drumming on everything <laughs> okay so Julio kind of stole some of my thunder uh, and I would not say this is the best Muppet movie that that is controversial in prepping for this I put out a like a just a a question on my Twitter account that, hey, what's your favorite Muppets movie? I got a pretty significant response to it. And it's a lot of people in our age bracket. And the overwhelming favorite was Muppets in Space and the Great Muppet Crusader. Uh, Interesting. Really? Yeah. And Muppets in Space, that has to be nostalgic rose-tinted glasses. Because oh, yeah. that's that's one of the weaker ones. Yeah, I've yeah seen absolutely. It. I, 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 I think it's the one that I've seen the most recently. Yeah. And I just that's the one that's about Gonzo. And I was mm-hmm. like, I love the characters, but this is doing nothing for me. So my take <laughs> was that it's a, it's a top three Muppets movie. My favorite is still Muppets Take Manhattan. And then I think the original is up there. And then the 2011 one. Uh, I would say I wouldn't really budge on those three being the top three. But since Julio already kind of touched on that, uh, I've also gotten flack for saying that at uh, movie studios at Disney, that Muppet 3D Vision is my favorite attraction there. And people are like, <laughs> what is wrong with you? They're like, there's so many other rides and stuff there. I'm like, yeah, but it's... They es- don't have Muppets. Especially now that the great movie ride's gone. That's like my go-to. As soon as I get through the gate, I'm, I do my power walk over to Muppet Vision 3D. <laughs> They're like, oh, there's this guy again. Yeah. The Sweetums guy is there. (laughs) Hey, Alex. (laughs) First name basis, so true. This one is highly controversial. I am not a fan of Amy Adams. I've kept it in for this entire I know. Everyone loves her. And look, I like I'm I'll put it this way. I enjoy her and I like her performances in movies just fine. I just I don't I don't get that argument about how you know, like, because she's been nominated for a bunch of Oscars and she's never won one, and people are like, "Oh, this is Leonardo DiCaprio all over again." It's like it's not. She's fine. Like she's perfectly fine, and she's in a lot of good movies. Like I, like I'd even go out on a limb and say this is one of her best performances because she's actually playing a sort of well fleshed out and rounded character. And yeah, I don't know. Like Arrival is another movie. I thought she was pretty good in Arrival, but at the same time, everyone was like, "It's the best performance ever." She should have won an Oscar for it. And it's like, really, 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 yeah. Yes, Sam, really. (laughs) Uh, I like Amy Adams more than you, Sam, but I agree. This is one of my more favorite performances of hers. 
oddly enough, the ones that come to mind for me are, are this and the master, you know, very similar movies. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she needs to, uh, all was, that was missing was her singing a song, uh, while she's jerking off Philip Seymour Hoffman. <laughs> <and that scene. laughs> oh God. She's having a Hoffman party. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, that was the Muppets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That takes us to the end of our show. Now, guys, tell us all about your show. Well, first of all, thank you for both coming on and doing this first post-baby podcast that I've got and potentially one of our last, I mean, episode 98. It's going to be one of our last episodes that we do for a while while I get used to daddy life. But yeah, thanks for coming on. Tell us about your show. Go go nuts, guys. Well, first of all, thanks for having us. Yes. And then secondly, again, my name's Alex and uh, Julio's the one with the thicker accent. Uh, (laughs) he's He's from a more southern part of Texas. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, we are the Contrarians. We do a podcast. Our lo- uh, slogan, our war cry is we rage against the Rotten Tomatoes machine. Find a movie that's ranked very high on Rotten Tomatoes. Make a case for why, you know, it's not so great, uh, be it completely serious or if we need to completely facetiously find a movie that's rotten make a case for it uh, it being the other basically the mission statement is we are here to just show that rotten tomatoes is a heavily flawed system Uh, yeah and and just i think we've ended up just making fun of uh online criticism in general yeah and just people almost forgetting that uh taste is subjective that art is (laughs) you can be over the moon about anything that you want to be or you can hate anything that you want to type of thing it's so true so like amy adams (laughs) yeah Uh, i'm gonna get so much shit for this eh? i know it oh i need to re-record that question while you guys aren't here uh julio our website uh, we are the contrarians.com. So it's the website is www.wearethecontrarians.com. Mm-hmm. On Twitter, our official Twitter account is at contrarian prime. I post through it mostly. Alex has his own, his contrarian Alex. Yeah. If you follow me on Twitter, you know, it's 98% about pro wrestling and professional fighting. <laughs> yeah. We want to keep it pure. <laughs> yeah. Contrarian prime. Uh, and then, yeah, we're also on Instagram. Every now and then I'll, I'll post clips from the episodes there. Uh, so it's also at contrarian prime. Apple Podcasts, uh, our website, SoundCloud. Stitcher, just any podcatcher that's not Google Play because haven't gotten around to it yet. <laughs> and if you have any official requests for our podcast, our email address is... We are the contrarians at gmail.com. Perfect. Excellent. I will put down in the show notes. Yeah. Excellent. You can email us and we can talk as a group about how great Amy Adams is. We can just exclude <laughs> Sam from the conversation. We're not excluding Sam from that conversation. We're copying him. We'll see every- him on it, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The worst part about me saying this, too, is my wife's a ginger and I'm duly obligated to go to bat for any gingers <laughs> in existence ever. So I feel like I've completely let down her and her entire kind and I'm going to be uh, kicked out of the next ginger rally, I reckon. But yeah. Well, no, maybe maybe what happens is you can only be devoted to one ginger. So, so Stacy has taken all your attention, and now Amy Adams just seems like nothing special. Superfluous. You might be onto something there, because Isla Fisher as well. I'm not a big fan of her either. <laughs> Ron Howard? Fuck that guy. Uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah, that takes us down to the end. Thanks again to these guys. Uh as anyone who's listened to our recent bunch of episodes we've done with guests, I only get on people that I listen to their podcasts, and you guys are awesome. It's it's amazing in how well you guys do, um, outside of the like the real talk sort of thing, and like how like hey, this is stupid, that's dumb, all that sort of stuff, and you're just sitting there going oh my god i feel like he believes this i feel like this is so true <laughs> you know like you really hooked me in to the point that i'm like like even like some of my most favorite movies when i hear you talking about them i'm like maybe it does suck maybe it is shit <laughs> <laughs> very convincing very convincing 
But yeah, anyway, from us, upcoming episodes, episode 99 is going to be a mystery because quite frankly, I've got no idea how anything works at the moment. And episode 100 is our one that we'll probably go on a bit of a break on after because, uh, yeah, because of the baby. But episode 100 will be me and Stacey and seven of my other friends that came in. We chucked 30 questions at all movies ever, did 10 quickfire questions to get the things going, where basically three of us would answer... Stacey picked who gave the best answer. The other two had a shot and sat down, and then the other two people got up and kept answering. And yeah, it went about as about as crazy as you can imagine. So that'll be uh, that'll be coming out soon. And then yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it. If you like our podcast and want to get a hold of us, you can find us on Twitter at Movie Reviews In. You can find us on Facebook at Movie Reviews and Twitty Qs, and you can send us an email at mritqs at gmail.com. And yeah, that's it. That's thanks for me. Cheers. Bye. Thank you.